So I'm very excited to be here today. My first guest on the podcast, A Funny Story About Money, just happens to be my best friend, but he's also a, a mentor of mine. He's a guy that I am super proud of, of what he's achieved so far in his career, and, and I'm really excited for him to share his story with you. I know the majority of the story, so I'm going to pretend to be excited when I'm listening to him. I might take a little bit of a nap for a bit. <laughs> But uh, please uh, welcome Sean Lavin to the show. Thanks, Kent. Thanks for that uh, nice intro. I've, yeah. never, I've never been on a podcast before. I know you haven't, so it should be interesting. But we've talked before, right? So you should be able to get used to it a little bit. Uh, just a little bit about Sean. Same age as me. Well, he's 38, but he uh, he's the president and one of the owners of a company called Aircom Instrumentation. And first, I mean, what the hell is Aircom <laughs> Instrumentation? Oh, well, that's a loaded question, Kent. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> not that much. I mean, not that much. <laughs> so, what is Aircom Instrumentation? Long story short, we're an instrumentation manufacturer and distributor. But that kind of sounds boring now, doesn't it? A little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, well, what's instrumentation? Uh, what, what we do, we, we make things, we sell things, and they just happen to be instruments. But really, when, when people ask me, what is Aircom Instrumentation? We are, we're a group of people. We're a group of Edmontonians. We're a group of Albertans. We all come from different backgrounds, different disciplines, and we work in this neat little company where we're making things, we're distributing things. It just so happens that uh, being in Alberta, there's a lot of industrial process control, and a lot of that revolves around oil and gas. So when the phone rings, when the emails go off, it's these guys calling us. Our products will go into any kind of industrial commercial process funny to, to say it this way, but the things we make in our shop, you actually have in your house. You have a temperature sensor in your thermostat that tells your furnace when to kick on and off. So to break it down to your first question, what is instrumentation? It's the science of measurement and control. It's a pretty broad thing. What we do at Aircom, I say we make it and we distribute it. Specifically, we make temperature sensors and we distribute pressure sensors. We have a specialty welding component of what we do. And then we distribute these, these neat brands kind of across the world. We have a brand that we distribute from Denmark, one made in San Diego, one made in the U.S. now, kind of out of, out of Mexico right now. They've just done a move. And products across Canada. And right. Yeah, we bring that all together. we got all these neat people working for us, and we do all these, all these fun things uh, every day. We're a custom manufacturer. Right. So. And how many people work here? Today, you know, and sometimes I do talk in two senses, before oil dumped on us and now. Right, yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, today we are at 24 people, I believe, 25, have a summer student starting on Monday. Mm -hmm. And before oil crashed, we were just about to hire our 30th person. It would have been our first stamping professional engineer. It's kind of a, a, a discipline we contract out right now. So we're just about to do that, and then things just started kind of spiraling down. So at our lowest of lows, we were about 17 people. So oh, really? Oh yeah, we've seen you know we've seen some ups and we've seen some downs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit. I'll probably ask you a little bit more about oil up and ups and downs as we get through. But 
La- John and I, and I'm going to call him Lavin by accident <laughs> a few times, but uh, <clears throat> we were drinking last weekend, camping on a boys' golf trip, and uh, and I was thinking about the podcast, and one thing I've never asked him is, why the hell did you go into instrumentation? I mean, <laughs> I didn't even know that instrumentation existed when you went into it, and no. I was like, yeah, <laughs> whatever and we went to Nate at the same time and and I was in the civil engineering building and he was over there with his in, instrument boys and and I never knew why you did that so I'm just curious how that happened yeah for sure and I, and I didn't tell you when we were camping and drinking around the campfire because we were going to reserve at least one surprise for for today right <laughs> fair <laughs> you know what Kent it's uh it, that's a story within itself and, and your podcast, you know, a funny story about money. Money does play a little bit of a hand in this story. So if I go back to grade nine, you remember when we were in grade nine mm-hmm. and you had to follow somebody around at work? Yeah. So I followed my uncle, my uncle Wes, and he was an electronics engineering technologist. So he took me to his place of work, which was actually in this neighborhood here, not too far from us. Mm-hmm. And he was building these little widgets and inst- he was actually building instruments and measurement equipment. I had no idea what it was at the time. I just had a fun day with my uncle. And all the guys in his company actually sat in the mezzanine and played video games on this, uh, on, on like a, I don't know, it was a Nintendo or something over lunch, you know? Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember that experience. And that, I, I say that story because that experience rested with me for a little while. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, we, we grew up and we got out of high school and we started uh, partying and having all kinds of fun and we're starting to figure out what are we going to do. And I remember my, what are we going to, my, what are we going to do is a, I didn't know really what to do. And my dad, I, you know, on the kitchen table, more than a few conversations at that kitchen table with my dad and I, my dad, what do I want to do? How do, you know, and he had been, he always gives me, to this day, he still gives me these Edmonton Journal newspaper articles. Like, he'll just clip out articles and he'll give them to me. Yeah, my mom does too. It's hilarious. He has I, a folder and uh, right. I show up for family dinner and I got a stack of newspaper articles to read. He actually gave me one. It's over here in my office from, like, before oil crashed, how good the economy was. And he saved it. And now he gave me, hey, what do you think now? You know? Right. <laughs> Anyways, at the kitchen table, having a conversation, and he was kind of showing me this instrumentation thing. Like, here, you should read about this. You should give this consideration this is a a market that's not going anywhere it's kind of like what you know i drew a line back to what uncle les did i was like oh okay this is that kind of stuff but the funny thing is okay now i apply i want to get into this program you know i i did a bit of research i didn't i didn't do any sort of job uh share or a a nate day or anything i kind of just jumped two feet in Mm -hmm. because i looked at what the salary was that these guys made and i was like oh man i could I could get my dreams with that. Right. And at 18, 19 year old, what, what were our dreams? I wanted a fast car. Mm-hmm. I wanted a Jeep. And I wanted a house in the West End. That was it. Right. That's all and I wanted. And you don't have any of those. Things. I don't have, and I actually don't have any of those today. Yeah. You had the Jeep yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I did have the Jeep for a bit, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the money. Okay. This, this is a, sounds neat, sounds technical, sounds interesting. What my uncle did is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least it looked pretty cool. So there it was. I apply for Nate. I don't get in. Right. And it's like, oh boy, I don't get in. I'm on a waiting list. And I have a year of time to do something with to kill. This is when you would have went to Australia. Yeah. I needed an adventure. My adventure was going to go work on the drilling rigs. Mm-hmm. So 
the skinniest, uh, the skinniest roughneck in the patch uh, was about to hit the patch, and that right. was me. I went and and took that course they had out in Nisku. I got a job out on a drilling rig. We were supposed to watch Friends that night. It was a Thursday night. Right. They, they call me up into the middle of nowhere, Grand Prairie. I start my stint uh, on a drilling rig, which. I'm on the waiting list for Nate. Now I'm in the oil and gas industry, which I had no clue about. And it was the hardest work, you know, I've right. ever done. But it was kind of a means to a bit of an end because I'm on this waiting list to get into this program I know really nothing about. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I wanted to quit four days into this. I wanted to quit. I'm like, I'm done. I remember calling my dad from the hotel room. Dad. I can't do this. I'm done. I want to come home. I can't even move my arms. I'm like lying on the bathroom right. floor. And oh, what town was it? Hythe, Alberta. Oh yeah, nice, nice place. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, yeah. Hythe, Alberta. And he said, "Stick it out. You know, you'll, you'll be home, be home soon. We'll have a talk. Stick it out. You know, go for it. You know, right. another one of those kitchen table talks." I get, I get done that little stint. It was only like a six-day stint and then a week off and I was supposed to go up. And I was driving home and I was done. Okay, been there, done that. This is hard as heck. Mm -hmm. You know, I get home, sit at the kitchen table with my dad. This came in the mail for you. I open it up. It's a paycheck. Right. A pay stub for what, and I looked at the pay stub and my jaw dropped. I'm like, holy smokes. Okay. Right, right. I think I can do this a little bit longer. Right. This is my adventure, you know. Because so, a year before we were landscaping for seven bucks an hour. Seven bucks an hour. That's that right. Was, we made. We got to uh, afford to buy my lunch every day and beers after work. That was it. <laughs> and we went out every day and spent probably more than more we than we made day. for sure. Oh, I, uh, what a time to be alive! Oh yeah, it was easy times to talk about your time on the rigs forever, but that. Uh, it was yeah, it was yeah. Oh yeah, I was a, I was the smallest guy in in the patch, and that was kind of on my journey to this instrumentation thing. Mm -hmm. I'd see these guys driving around the oil field with a nicer truck and clean coveralls, and they didn't look as tired as I was. Right. Like, oh, I want to do what that guy does, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of on my way to go there and finish the thing on the rigs, Kent, and then boom, there I was at Nate learning what this course that I didn't really know too too much about, other than it looked like it paid well. Looks interesting. I'm going for it. Right. Jumped in and started to like it. Enjoyed yeah. It, you know. Yeah, but you never knew. You always say you enjoy everything you ever did. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And here I'll continue this story because I'll tie it back to this funny story about money. Because I that's a funny story about money for me as a young man. That's what I'm kind of chasing. I'm chasing. I want a good job that pays me so I can get a house and a car and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. I take this career that has a. Uh, you know, an average high pay rate. I graduate, made some great friends along the way. I was just actually texting with a friend just before we started this up in Grand Prairie. You know, we've been out of school for how many years? We mm -hmm. still, still connect a lot. Um, get out of Nate. Now I'm ready to get an instrument job somewhere. And I live in Edmonton, and there's not very many jobs, at least in that time, that you can just get in Edmonton. A lot of the jobs are in the field, in these facilities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Where do I lean? I lean back onto the onto the rig side of things, and I end up getting a job. If you remember, what was my truck number? The 2249. I got a job at a company called Computalog. They're no longer around, but I was installing now downhole tools on drilling rigs. So now I'm in a clean truck. Right. I've got a great, there's a great paycheck coming in. Uh, I've got clean coveralls, you know, check off the boxes, man. Goals are happening. I don't have a sports car, Jeep, or a, <laughs> or a house yet. Right. 
but I've got that clean job and boom, now I'm bombing out to the field teaching the guys that used to yell at me how to use a three-button computer to activate a downhole <laughs> tool. And man alive, that is easier said than done. Some of these old school guys, there are three buttons, you know, stop, start, test. <laughs> and right. hooking up all the instruments, getting this thing uh, activated and calibrated, that's, that was the easy part. The hard part was stop, start, test. No, 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 not test, stop, start. <laughs> oh, I, I had a fun time with that, but I quickly realized this wasn't for me. Right. I was on the road a lot. I was putting on a lot of miles. I'm a social guy. My my relate. I'm not seeing my friends and you guys. You know, dating Sarah at the time, and you know, we're, we're not seeing each other because I'm always driving around the province and this and that. I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. Right. For, for this isn't why I went to school. You know. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of lonely. A lot of lonely highway miles. You get out to the rig. You're that solo guy. You're not part of that. They hate tribe, you. So, so to speak. Right. They didn't hate you. You're just kind of indifferent. You're a guy that's showing up to give them more work, drop your thing off, and, you know, right. they just want to be status quo drilling, you know? Yeah. So starting to kind of not like it, I need a job in the city. So I finally land a job at this city at this really, really neat place. And, again, still in touch with some of the guys there, working more technician with my hands, you know, hooking up things and, and doing whatnot. It was in a research facility where they're twisting, bending, pushing, pulling. Again, learned some really neat things, but it just wasn't sparking with me. I got to add, too, I took my paycheck, and he almost cut it in half going to that place. Right. Not sparking with me, you know, but it wasn't about money, and this is kind of where I want to tie the thing about money. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about money. Money, it was more about, like, fulfillment. Right. So this ain't driving either. So here I am, you know, going on almost two years out of Nate, uh, into the second job, have one of those kitchen table moments with Jerry, you know, Dad, I think I've made a huge freaking mistake with what I took in school, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not liking any of these jobs. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not liking any of these jobs. And, you know, I'm kind of complaining, venting, and, and my dad, you know, he knows his son, he knows me well, he says, hey, everything you're, everything you're working on, like all these things you're installing, they had to get... They had to get sold at some point in time. You're mm -hmm. a social guy, you know, in the way my, way my dad talks. You're always partnering around. You're always partnering with your friends. You know, that's his way of <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. you're a social guy. Right. You know, maybe you should consider sales. You know, there's sales. And I was like, interesting. You know, the first time you think of sales, everybody just thinks like... You, you Used car sales. Auto, you go to auto sales instantly in your brain. But you don't think that every single product flying around this room, this world, had to be sold at some point mm -hmm. to someone by someone yeah it wasn't until i got into like the financial industry that i realized they said oh, everybody's a salesman your doctor is a salesman your doctor your, yeah. doctor, your lawyer your account like it's built on selling yourself yeah. no matter what my like, kids are the best salespeople. Right. Oh, your son is the greatest. You should tell the story about the rock at Jasper. The rock at Jasper. Oh, yeah, we can tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's one of my... I've told it on stage a few times because yeah. it makes me laugh. I have to think of exactly what he said here. Hold on, it'll come to me, Kent. Um, oh, okay. Should I tell it now? Or sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Story? We got time, we sure. Got time. <clears throat> I am all over the map. You know this about me. Like, I'll take a bunch of rabbit Yeah, then that's fine. And we might arrive sure. where you wanted to arrive today. I'm not sure. 
I don't know. We just eventually, I guess, we got to get to why you're sitting in this chair. That's all we need to get to. We're on the journey, right? Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're in Jasper for a family event. If you don't know this about me, you're about to know this about me. But I married my best friend's cousin. So I married a girl named Sarah, who happens to be Kent's cousin, who I've known a very long time, and. Spin a little bit because I think if well no if yeah like I think it's quiet if you're not if you're talking that way oh okay anyways uh, we 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 got married and we built a fun little life together we have this little boy he's very charismatic we got a lovely little girl too but uh, was Nora around when we went Mm -hmm. to this yeah maybe she was just a baby yeah so was Leo yeah it was a family celebration for. For a family member that had passed away, and we're putting some ashes into uh, Lake and Jasper, and there's kind of some quiet moments happening. But my son is just—he's hucking rocks around the car. He's just loving hucking these rocks. Like, oh, you gotta stop throwing these rocks. You know, we can't do this. And he says to me, "He's like, Dad, I want to throw these rocks more than you want me not to throw these rocks." <laughs> and my jaw drops. I look over at this other guy that's standing there, and his jaw looks at me. He's like. What are you gonna to say to that? Like, you can't he was, argue. He was that. like three years old. Right yeah, <laughs> I want to throw these more than you want me not to throw these. Just a brilliant negotiator. Oh yeah, such a beauty. Something, all right. Anyways, I was on my journey somewhere, Kent. Uh, well, one, I, I kind of one quick question, oh, I guess the for. Dad table. Yeah, sorry, and, and I'll this answer yeah. be real quick. I'm just curious for anybody young, maybe listening to this or thinking about getting into oil and gas in Alberta. Is instrumentation is it is still a, a good career to get into right now? Going into Nate, graduating, are there a lot of jobs or? You know what? I would say yes. It's a good field to get into. It's a it's a technical field. It. The world, the future of the world is measurement and sensors. If you think about all this AI stuff that's going on, the Internet of Things that we keep talking about and how your app on your phone can do this in your house. Now, instrumentation in Nate is, you know, very much tuned to Alberta, per se. Right. But the fundamentals are not. The fundamentals of that program are measurement. You know, you've got level, temperature, flow, pressure. These variables all need to be measured. The sensors keep getting better. The instruments will keep getting better. So we need the guys to keep going to that and the girls to keep going through that schooling right. to keep on that edge. So I do think it's a it's a great course to go through. Sure, Alberta is going to go ups and downs because yeah. we have a commodity that runs our province. So the jobs are going to come. The jobs are going to go. But think outside the box. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at my kitchen table with my dad. Thinking mm-hmm. I made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have taken this thing. Right. Sales comes into play. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I did not think for a million years I would go through two years of technical school to become a salesperson. Right. You never would. You never would. No. That's, I think that's the best thing I did. You right. Know? Yeah. So there I was in that fear moment, you know, about sales, and I start looking for jobs. Mm hmm. And, uh, see this inside sales position with Aircom, a company called Aircom Industries. So, naturally, I apply for it. Right. <laughs> and I like this story, too, if I can squeeze it in. It is on the path to how I got in this chair, but you've met Corey, my partner. Mm-hmm. You've met Rick, my other partner, as well. Well, at the time, Corey was the inside sales manager, so I'm hiring for that job. 
you know, he would be my manager, he'd be my boss. Right. And I bug him about this to this day because I'm that guy that applies for a job. I do the three days or four days of phone call. Hey, I just want to make sure you didn't get my resume. And I know Corey really well. And uh, I swear to God, when I called him that morning, like, hey, my name is Sean. I applied for a job. You know, I just wondered if you got my resume. I'm sure I heard him like lean back in his chair and reach into his garbage and pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> He says he didn't. Right. I only say this because uh, on my interview, I show up for my interview and I'm sitting down uh, early before I start my other job. So it's really early in the morning. Corey's already been in Ericon for like two hours beyond that because he's just such an early guy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he comes strolling by me like, good morning. Can I help you? I'm like, hi, I'm Sean. I'm here for the job. He's like, all right. Yeah, come on in, man. You know, mm-hmm. enthusiastic, hyper happy, you know, there got the interview. Ended up getting obviously the job. Started out in sales. One thing I'll point out, funny story about money, Kent. Let's back it up. You know, I, I start on the rigs, you make a pile of money. Instrument kind of rig, tooling guy, pile of money. Cut it in half going into the city and yeah. hands-on. Then I took another huge dive to become an inside salesperson. Right. But I started to get fulfillment out of my job. Mm-hmm. I started to like it. It's not about the money more so than it is to like what you do and 100%. be a fit for what you do. I was getting more fulfilled doing that than being lonely on the road driving a highway while the bank account's full, but you're, you don't, you'll never have time to spend it. You know? right. <clears throat> so inside sales, great fun journey, got to know the company, got to work with some great people. A lot of them are still here today. Right. You know, and. I, uh, I had an interest in the outside. I, I always thought, you know, the outside is a natural step, even though today I realize it isn't necessarily a kind of a step. They are two very different jobs, and I learned that for sure. Right. It was very hard going from being an inside salesperson, you know, processing these technical transactions with your customers, to going out and sitting down with people, looking at them in the eye and saying, hey, I, can we have your business? Can you use us for your products? Right. You know, very different things. and. I, uh, after a couple of years of inside sales, ended up in outside sales, and I almost want to say that's when you know my pedal hit the, hit the mat. Like then mm-hmm. I was really going. I loved it, you know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I tell you stories, time. and yeah. No, I, yeah, I, and I mean, I always knew when you were like pumped up. I mean, like when you get pumped up, we'd go for beers and just you'd be <laughs> like, "I'm so excited," and and I know Sarah won't listen to you talk about your job, so. I, <laughs> I have to be the sounding board or whatever, but I knew you were really excited and telling me about these sales techniques and like how awesome it was and and it, and it just I did I never thought about it at all, but like it was like well yeah you're it, one thing you need to know about Sean is the nicest friendliest guy you've basically ever met like if I mean but also is a business owner and and has his things right but but uh i just thought well oh i always thought a salesman needed to be greasy or whatever or talk like our good buddy josh does like really fast and great salesman but then i was like no it's just about being like a good guy somebody that somebody wants to actually talk to right like yeah, authentic yeah genuine yeah yeah, so it was both of us, right? Like yeah. not understanding what a salesman. I thought it was a greasy because you worked at a car lot. I did. I actually washed cars at a car lot. I love those sales guys. They were they just if I kept those cars clean and straight, 
they bought me lunch, coffee, and it was hilarious. Right. Keep the change, Sean. You know how much change I had? It's the greatest job ever. Oh, Then sometimes asking me to borrow money, like, hey, man, can I borrow 20 bucks? I'm like, huh, I'm the lot boy, man. Like, right, I'm making $6 What do you need 20 bucks for? You wear a suit to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Suit doesn't always mean you make money. No, it sure doesn't. I'll tell you that much. Um, okay, so you're at Aircom. Now you're just crushing it. It's fun, having just, a great time. Yeah. Probably, I probably drove down every gravel road in Alberta. Right. Not every, but quite a few, you know? Yeah. Uh, Rick and I, my, my one partner, he was in sales at the same time, and, and him and I, oh, we, we had so many windshield talks, it's not even funny. He'd be at a plant in the south, I'd be at a plant in the north. We'd get out, we'd debrief our calls with each other, we'd talk about what's, what we're gonna do next. Corey, our partner as well, he's back at the office kind of making it happen. So right. these are some of the synergies just at play at Aircom, you know, and as well as a lot of awesome people, and some are still here today. But, uh, oh, yeah, really, really enjoy kind of what's going on. And uh, and the man we work for, you know, fantastic guy. He One of his traits is he, he cared for people so much, and, and he wanted to kind of help everybody. And if you're doing a good job for him, he just kind of let you go. You couldn't ask. Some people want those managers just let them go. Mm-hmm. This guy did that in then some. If you were doing what you was expected of you, he he made sure you were paid well and he gave you the latitude to do it. You know, right? Like almost to a fault. Like he just let us run wild, but we were growing the company. It was fun. Right. So I'm sure he's having a good time too. Uh, what year is this? What year ish? are we talking about? Let me think here. We're 2009. You know, eight nine seven eight nine in that era there. And, uh, yeah, we're growing the business. We're having some success. We're all having fun together. And, uh, you know, kind of a change of events. Now, he's getting a bit older. And one thing about about him is he kept his hand close to his chest. Like, he had a very tight inner circle here. And I don't want to say that I was in it per se, but I was I was on the bubble of it, so to speak. Right. I knew enough, but he didn't really communicate what his plans were, what his, what his thoughts were, what his succession plan was. With very many people. Mm-hmm. I can remember actually, you know, two weeks before he passed away, having a discussion with him about shares. You know, we often talk about it. Like, I wonder what he's going to do. Maybe he'll sell the company to us or who knows. And yeah, two weeks before he actually passed away, I remember having a chat with him at the back ship and receiving bay one night. I had to come by after a Calgary trip to pick up some parts to get to a customer early in the morning. And he's like, how would you? What would you say if I said share, Sean? And I says, oh, I don't. I'd say that sounds kind of neat, but I have no idea what that means. Like, what does that mean? And, right. Well, I'll come by my office. We'll chat about it sometimes. But you know what I learned is he kind of would have this conversation with a few people. He would kind of you know test people out, and maybe he didn't really have the plan written in stone either what he wanted to do. But uh, nevertheless, sadly, as I've already kind of alluded to, he passed away. You know, right. too too young to pass away, in my opinion. Great man, huge heart. And sadly, he went home one day, and he never came back to work. Just a heart attack. Yeah, or something? he had a heart attack in his sleep, I believe, is what had happened. And brutal. Um, so there, you know, and this is a real tribute to the people at Aircom at that time too, because we lost our leader. We, you know, we lost him overnight, and uh, we didn't know what happened for a couple days. And then, the company though has to be able to keep going on and moving. We were obviously mourning the loss of our good friend and our boss and our company owner at the same time we all have jobs to do 
He had a strong operations man, he had a strong sales manager, he had a strong inside sales manager, a strong controller, strong production end happening, and everybody banded together to keep the thing moving. But we're all now coming to work scratching our heads like, what's going to happen? Right. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there's this, uh, we had all kinds of theories too. I remember listening to the theories, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe he left this company to all of us. Maybe he left the company to some people. Uh, he had a son. And that's exactly what happened. Naturally, that's what's going to happen, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. His, the will, you know, dictated as such, and the company was uh, success down to his son. And his son and him had a very good relationship, but he didn't live in Edmonton. He never had worked in Aircom. It wasn't uh, one of those types of companies with kids in it and generations, yeah. etc. It was It was his company that he grew, and his son inherited this thing. And we got to know him as well, and he's from a different province, though, and you know, we're all wondering what's going to happen. Is he going to promote some management, get some things going? And I guess after the moment, after the appropriate amount of time, uh, Corey, Rick, and I, and we have had we had a few talks together, and we we made an approach. Actually, I should back up here, but I remember when we kind of made the decision. We were sitting at Alberts over here on 99, eating some uh, crappy eggs. Right. And uh, what are you saying? What are we saying to each other? No, what are you saying about Alberts? Alberts, yeah, I'm not saying anything about Alberts. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding, yeah. Alberts, edit, your eggs are delicious. Out, edit that out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're just sitting over, you know, a, a breakfast, and uh, we're kind of looking, do we want to do this? good friend of ours, Monty, he worked in mergers and acquisitions. I had a couple of coffees with Monty. I kind of had a little bit about how this would work, and really it's time to sit down and, you know, Monty's words are we... Are we fishing or are we cutting bait? Right. And that was kind of the theme of that, Albert. So that's when Corey Rick and I decided that we're gonna we're gonna try to take a swing at this thing. Mm -hmm. But we didn't even know what the thing was. Right. So there we are, and I'll speak to Corey and Rick. We're all instrument disciplined guys. We all came out of the same Nate program, you know, all turned salespeople. Right. It uh, you know, think big when you take these technical programs. Don't just think, you know, one avenue. It's right. a, it's a broad thing. So we decide that Rick makes, uh, you know, a connection with uh, the, the old owner at the time, you know, the, the old owner's son, sorry. And yeah. He kind of said, yeah, I think I need to do one of a few things. I think I either need to install some management or I need to move to Alberta or I need to sell. And I'm thinking I want to sell. So, yeah, I'll, I would entertain that idea. Right. And it all, that's kind of when the idea of kind of owning Aircom came into play. Right. The uh, the entrepreneur kind of bug in me. It's been there before. Like a sales role is pretty entrepreneurial, especially when you work for a guy that kind of lets you run free. Sure, it was yeah. almost like running your own little business. Right, but nothing like actually going through oh, the sure. efforts of buying or starting a business. Right. Yeah, and uh, so that's when it started, and it was a it was a whirlwind of a year. If I were to chat with Corey and Rick in this room about that year, you know, we'd all probably smile and cry in the same <laughs> tone because right. what I learned about, you know, mergers and acquisitions and deals is there is no pattern. There is no two alike. They all have, they're like a life form of their own. And ours definitely became one. We were competing with uh, other people in the company to buy the company. We were competing with competitors to buy the company. There is a guy somewhere on, I've never even heard of, not even in our industry. He also wants to buy the company mm. as wind started to sell. So, holy smokes, this is like a big deal. We got to, right. you know, it was a year. It was a year of ups, downs. Uh, 
are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? Can it happen? Can it not happen? Because he's interested. And then, but we also have to come up with all this money. Right. <laughs> like, oh, right. Yeah. You want to buy a company, but that takes a lot of money. Yeah. So we're getting, you know, with the help of working with good people, getting banks to take a look at this deal and finance us that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the personal money we can possibly scrounge up between the three of us. And, you know, making some terms with the seller to help us on this journey, you know. Right. Took a year of turbulence and it all kind of closed in. And we, I think it was almost one year to the date the deal closed and we now own Aircom. Right. So, the funny thing about that that silent moment we just had there, Mm -hmm. that's almost like what happens when you go through a year of turbulence. Yeah. And also we get an email at like 8.15 in the morning the next day. It's like, bing. Congratulations, guys. Just to let you know, we successfully closed last night. You know, all the best. Unreal. The bill's in the mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's no fireworks. There's no banner cutting. Not that any of us expected that. But there was so much emotion during the journey of buying. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, the next thing happens is the phone rings and the fax goes. And it's just like a regular moment to say but wait a second we own this now it was you own it and you're like what am i what do i do now yeah, it was kind of like what the heck are we gonna do now <laughs> <laughs> we had a goal buy the company goal done buy the bought the company right. now what run a company yeah and so who's running the company for the year who's running oh for that whole year between yeah. us and Biden? we were the, the you know i wasn't a manager at the time but you had Corey running uh doing the sales from the inside. You had Rick as the outside sales manager. Myself, I was just, you know, doing my selling job at the time. We all had evening jobs because we'd have to do the buying of Aircom in the evening All because we had a job to do during the day. Right. During the night, we're putting together the deal, then we go back to work again. We couldn't tell anybody around the company what we were doing either. Of course. It was crazy. But yeah, so that was the tribute to the management of Aircom, and some are still here today. They Everybody had to band together to really make that year go because... It would have been a crazy year if you had no no sign of what North looked like, what direction you're going in. We knew what we were trying to do, so we're holding on for that. Mm-hmm. But some of the other people around here, I could just imagine. Some a lot aren't here today. You know, here we are almost, what is it, 2011 to, to now, nine mm-hmm. years later, you know. Some of those, those people are here, but you just imagine working for a place and you don't know what tomorrow's going to do, you know? Right. You're like, do I have a job? Do I have a job? Is this thing going to collapse on itself? Is it going to, Yeah, like, is it it this place making money or whatever? Yeah, exactly. And uh, a fun thing, because I know the answer to this, so, and it was the same when I started K4, but how pumped up was Sarah about this? Uh You know what? (laughs) (laughs) She was excited about it to a degree. She... Her and I, we were in this mini adventure together on our end too. Right. You know, I don't tell many people this, but I'll tell everybody this, I guess, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, she, me, we took, we dumped everything we got into it. We took our bank account right down to its like last thousand bucks on closing day. Yeah. And then that's a pretty big risk. But I also knew I had another paycheck coming in two weeks, and so did she from her job. So we we're just kind of building back up from that. Right. But we had to, so she was in it with me. Uh, she wasn't as pumped as I was, I'll bet, because she's not a doesn't experience what I'm experiencing. She's just okay. My crazy husband wants to do really, really, really wants to do this, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I, uh, God love her for it. She believes in me 
Right. You know, I believe in her, and then we. That's our mini journey in this together too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Rick and Corey would echo the same kind of story, right? Right. That, uh, but yeah, we all had to really scrimp every, squeeze every piece of fruit we had to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot different. And I admire the people who do the startups and stuff like that. I, I get to be an entrepreneur by buying this thing that was already in motion. Right. Where we didn't start it from nothing like our former owner did. Mm -hmm. That comes with its own squeezes and different types of pressures, you know. Sure. We had to, the pressure we had to do is finance. We had to find Yeah, you're taking a way bigger financial yeah. risk probably way. than him. He's just, you know, if you just start generally from scratch. Put in, earn, put in, earn, right. and just kind of build up. Yeah. yeah. We had to borrow, 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 and personal guarantees and things like that. You know? Right. And then, you know, okay, we close the deal. Bing. You get the email, and it's like, oh, crap, we got to run a company now. Like, how do you do that? Right. But it's funny. In the beginning, you're just full of all this confidence. Oh, I know everything to do. I yeah. know exactly what people want. They want what I want, you know. Right. And then what I want is right. And, you know, you, we learn by doing and failing, doing and failing. And we had some failures. We had some stumbling blocks. We had some growth. Like, we had it all. It's right it's hilarious like a story rick Corey, and i we had to let somebody go uh shortly after we closed the deal just just misaligned you know just misalignment but uh this these circumstances uh you know we felt a lot more comfortable kind of changing the locks in the building right and we didn't even know how we were going to pay the locksmith like how do we we, just, we have to do all this after hours. Our controller's not here. I guess right. we all have credit cards and stuff, but just weird thinking like that. Right. Rick looks at me and he's like, how are we going to pay for this? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, didn't, you know, we didn't know. <laughs> it was so funny. Rick and I tell that story quite often too. That's and, funny. Yep. So how did, how did the announcement go? Did anybody have any idea that you guys were in the mix? Yes. To... We, we closed this in May of mm -hmm. 2011. We were allowed to tell people in December, I believe. So in December, I, we did an announcement like, hey, we're buying Aircom, um, you know, and, and our former owner. And he was a partner. Uh, the owner's son, sorry, was a partner with us for a period of time, too. And he took a, took an exit at a, at a great time. I think he had a crystal ball, but he exited just before. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah. I, I told him that, too. You know, after it's all said and done, I'm like, man, a lot. <laughs> let's have that crystal ball all right <laughs> you know um but yeah no we got to announce it and and uh it was good news for some and maybe not so good news for others right right and uh yeah it uh that was i guess where the learning started to begin right right yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Like, so yeah is it weird for you to go from you know, being a fellow employee to all of a sudden, like, how long does that take for you to get into the role of like, guess what? I run this shit now. Like, don't come into my office. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because that's exactly what it's like. Kevin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. That took a bit of time. I think that took a bit of time. I think you have the insta confidence, maybe the insta scarcity, because uh, you got to get these loans paid. You know? Right. But uh, but also you're only getting these loans paid if your company is doing 
good things. And mm -hmm. to do good things, you need good people. To keep good people, you need to be giving them, you know. So, yeah, lots of fast learning. And again, lots of learning by mistakes. You know, mm -hmm. maybe making a decision to do something that maybe wasn't the best or, uh, you know, maybe maybe on a hire, you know, hiring somebody that just, you know, maybe had a part of a gut feeling that maybe this person isn't the best for the job, but man, we really need them right now to get this done. Right. You end up costing you more in the end when that person says, hey, you know what, I'm not built for this. Right. <laughs> Ugh, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting transition, but it we did have a bit of a spool up because we were buying the company and so we we're slowly through that year kind of wrapping our heads around what's about to happen right but uh yeah day one you know, the perceived day one was always it was a funny one for sure yeah i yeah. bet yeah. i yeah well and i mean i kind of I, I don't know it's, it's i it's hard to imagine but i knew that you guys were sort of transitioning into ownership for a while yeah. it was just taking a long it time it was a journey oh yeah 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 and then, so you set roles. Like, what are you guys now? As your relationship, you're like, well, we own this now. What the hell? Yeah. Now, what do we do? Yeah, we started out. Uh, you know, Rick, my partner, he was our president. He became the acting president in December when we got to announce. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Corey was looking after ops. Sean was business development. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's you know that's kind of how we carried on. You know, that first era of, of Aircom, building the foundation, you know, as we can say, we're building the foundation, you know, and, you know, when I look back at what that is, kind of like making it ours, so to speak, you know, because mm -hmm. just like every employee working in every company, you look around, man, I would do this different. I would be doing this so much better. Right. And that's the fun thing. I know one of your questions, you know, what's rewarding or what's, what's fun about being an owner? Well, you get to do that, mm -hmm. but you also get to learn that, uh, it's easier maybe said than actually getting done because uh, unintended consequences perhaps, you know, like if right. only we could do this, but if we do this, these other things have to change too and so on and so forth. But that's one of the beauties. And I know one of your questions, Kent, was, uh, was uh, you know, what's the fun parts? And that's kind of one of the fun parts. You get to do it. Right. You know, so there we were building the foundation. I'm kind of looking after the sales end. Corey's looking after the ops end. Rick's, you know, overall strategy. Um, and we, we carried on. We built this great foundation. We went through this wild ride up. In our first two years, we grew the company by about 45% nice. in about a year and a half. It was just nuts. It was wild. I still say that hurt more than coming down. Like Why is that? Oh, we couldn't. You couldn't find people. We had to, uh, we had to say no to work. Something that just wouldn't happen today, but we had we were at capacity. Right. We couldn't find people to, to get into the to the shop to sales. We're building foundations, so we're upgrading really old systems, putting in new policy, getting our quality standards up to snuff. Like we're just putting all these things into action all at once, while the industry is just going crazy on us. Right. So it was a real fun, wicked ride. Again. Learned so much on that on that rise we had around our first two two and a half years of business. It was great, and then we did this wicked growth. Then we were able to hold it there. We held it up in the, in that zone and just had some single digit growth, double digit growth for quite a few years. So we every year that went by, you know, more confidence, more mistakes, more learning experiences. It all comes together, you know. Right. If uh, 
if we knew how to do everything, it wouldn't be fun. You need to you need to mess up once in a while in order to yeah you know, for sure to to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So there we were holding on, riding high, having a great time, and and uh, just one, having money fights. Or oh <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Remember, we had these loans right. and these things called personal guarantees. Right. Yes, uh, no money fights, uh, but we're, we're able to chip away at the loans and stuff like that, yeah. too. And uh, I can add in a neat story here uh, as well. But, uh, you know, things are going wild and ride, and we're having kids, and we're growing, and we're paying off loans. We're hiring people again. We're just about to hire that, uh, that PN, you know, yeah. kind of a neat, neat in-house position for us. And then, the, you know, the news starts to rumble a little bit. Like, right. you know, things aren't so... This, it's so funny when I think about politics today and politics years ago and the price of oil today and the price of oil years ago. It's just, I don't want to say I didn't think about it, but when you're a conservative province for so long, right? You kind of that's just the way it is mm-hmm. per se. And when oil, you know, does its ups and downs for so long, it, uh, yeah, you just kind of you, you take your eye off and you keep focusing on what's ahead. And the first recession that hit. Alberta, we actually grew through. We weren't too affected by it. When I say hit Alberta, hit the world. I think they call it the Great Recession. Yeah, like the, the yeah. 09, 08, 09 one. Yeah. Alberta was sort of insulated. We too. had a bit of a bubble because yeah. of that high-priced oil. Yeah. And some of our friends in home building, I remember some of the stories, like there's nothing to build. Yeah. And I'm looking around like, what's going on? Like, we can't keep up, you know? Right. And uh, so we actually had a growing year that year, which was odd. But that kind of opened our eyes a little bit to like, wait a second, there's things that can happen out there that will affect what we do in right. here. Yeah, yeah. for know? sure. It, uh, so that was that was big learning. And then we get to this last, uh, you know, the oil kind of trend winds that started to happen. That started to like, okay, I think there's, I think I can build a graph here. I want to see what Aircom's revenue looks like against the price of oil. I want to see if there's any sort of correlation here. I remember my jaw dropping, and I showed Corey and Rick like, "Holy smokes!" You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a ninety-eight percent correlation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, here's a neat story, Kent. I'll tell you. And here's, you know, do I use the word luck? I don't know if I use the word luck. You know, we can make our own luck, but yeah, you get lucky. Sometimes you just there's sure. lucky yeah. things that happen. When we were buying this company, I remember Rick and I were going, we were at a customer's event in the West End. Before going to this customer's event, we went for a quick lunch at Kelsey's in the West End on 178th there. And uh, and we just got news that we might not be able to get the financing to do this. So we're bummed. We're we're about to end this customer fun event in the West End that day. And we're like, oh, because at that moment, it ain't happening. It's right. pretty much the email we got. Uh, and Rick, we're walking into Kelsey's, reaches down into their flower bed, he grabs a rock, squeezes it in his, squeeze it in his hands, and he's like, John, when we pay off this loan, I'm going to give you this rock. And one of the neat things about that moment looking back, it wasn't if we were going to get the loan. Right. It was when we were going to pay it off. Yeah. Because the news we just got was, Sorry, boys. You're probably you're not, not getting this getting loan. loan. It was when, you know. And true to his word, and I have it over there on my bookshelf, you can see the little white rock. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. in a frame. It's in a frame, you know, right. the, the white rock. And uh, just before oil is starting to go down, 
Yeah. I hope the amigos are okay with me telling this story. I'm sure they will be. I can ask them. <laughs> was our last payment on our senior loan. Right. So we got to go down that roller coaster ride debt free. Nice. Which was good. Yeah. So he gave me the rock on the, on the back of it is the last payment actually in a, in a little thing there. So and, Unreal. Uh, true to his word, uh, those years later, last loan payment done and just that's the luck part. It happened to be just as just as we were tipping down right. into it. So we got to ride that out. It was hard on our company. It was hard on our staff. We had to say goodbye to some people. Some people left on their own steam, you know. It uh, not not fun times, not easy decisions to make whatsoever. You know? Right. It uh, and it was really hard on the on the province as, as a whole. We all know that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, well, yeah. hard on you, or do you enjoy firing people? <laughs> no, I don't think, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody enjoys that part of the job for sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was hard. But again, loans gone, so we had one weight off our shoulders. But now we got all the other pressure. Like, how do we keep this going in our bubble? And when is this going to end? You know, right. is it going to end? How are we going to how are we going to diversify out of this thing? Mm-hmm. So did you change, or did you adapt, or was it just how did that? How did you manage? How did we manage through it? We had to again lean up on, lean up on some expenses, and luckily enough, we had some some cash that we could kind of ride it out a little bit because uh, we were we were confident we have a place in this industry. We're confident in our abilities, and we know we're going to get things better and make things better. I'll say we, we, we didn't run away from the energy industry or the oil and gas industry. We kind of doubled down on it. We're going to stay here. We're going to keep going out to the to the field even though they're not doing anything. We'll have a coffee with you. But right. we're, we're here when it was good. We're here when it's crap. And you're going to remember us when it's back, you know. Right. We, we did look into other markets and we started to explore some other areas for sure. I think anybody naturally in that position would. Mm-hmm. But no, we're, we're going to stick. We're sticking here. We're going to stick this out because we know we just – have this knowing confidence these people in Alberta need us to do what we do for them right we're not the only we're not the only uh, game in town for what we do and uh, there's enough competitiveness and enough you know out there for our us to have a good place in it right so we stayed yeah we stayed in it and we we used that year to really get down and dirty with some of our processes as well you know mm-hmm. so we we really looked at how we were building our products and how certain things were coming together, how we were managing different aspects. So there's, you know, everything kind of changed in that yeah. downward spiral. Okay. And it, those moments really get you looking at just everything in, in the business, right? Right. So, uh, I mean, and I've, I've heard this before plenty of times, but never actually talked to somebody about, like, do you think it was good for your business in the long run that there was that crazy slow time where you're scared and whatever so you could clean it up or like absolutely we learned so much more remember i said i think going up hurt more than going down right like going down you have to make some people decisions or at least we had to fortunate for those people out there that don't but we had to yeah um but no we we were able to get a lot of great things done, and today I think we understand our business so much better. Right. Yeah. So well, much better. Which is great. Which yeah, is great. I think people, 
especially with the fast growth and oh like we can do no wrong yeah. we're, we're the best like yeah. our business is the greatest and then i've seen it i've seen it a million times right we're yeah. like we're not ready for what happens and we're we're not sort of planning for the moment where that crash happens we have debt even though we should have paid it we yeah. don't have savings you know we're we're just wasting burning money or whatever right so. yeah yeah we we have a new our strategy you know we play a bit of a conservative game here if you work in uh more of a turbulent commodity I think you just have to prepare for them. Yeah, you will. Ups and downs for sure. Right. Always always give ourselves a little bit of time to think about other areas, you know, and that's something we try to do a lot of around here as well. Right. But, yeah, prepare for it because it's going to happen again mm -hmm. and again and again. And it's going to change too. Right. Things will change. Of course. All these disruptions and these technologies they talk about, absolutely. Every industry at some point in time is going to go mm -hmm. through a change. And would you suggest, like, probably business owners working with a really good financial planner? Absolutely, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You need to look after your, your personal self, too, through all this. For sure. Yeah. Do you know anybody that does that? No, I, I wish. <laughs> I... Uh, Couple more sort of quick questions, and then and then I won't take up any more of your time because we need to go for beers or whatever. But it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. Uh, one, would you ever entertain the idea? Do you ever wish you could go back to being an employee, less stress, paycheck, steady, that kind of thing? That's an interesting question. Uh, easy answer is. Of course I can. There could be circumstances that happen where I have to be an employee. Right. And you told me earlier that I make the best out of anything I'm dealt with, right? They're right. Always yeah. happy. Pretty sure I could go back to being a very happy employee and productive. I get more gain out of, you know, being aligned with what I do than maybe the equity I have, so the owner side, or the paycheck I get for being, say, a, a president of a company, so to speak. Right. Uh, I could, you know, do I want to go to employee? Well, if this thing is working and rocking the way it is and we're having a fun doing it, I don't really want to go back to it. But I'll tell you right now, I am an employee of Aircom. Right. That's what I spend eight to, eight to ten hours a day doing, you know. The, mm -hmm. the role I do is I'm an employee of Aircom. Mm -hmm. And every quarter, every year, uh, they call us the three amigos. We get our amigos hats on and we go away and we be owners for a day or or so. And that's when you're at that LA Kings game with the woman's Oilers jersey on. <laughs> yeah. I'll post a picture somewhere. <laughs> yes, it's a men's small. Uh, um, it's the smallest men's jersey they sell. Oh my God. Yeah. We were sharing it around WhatsApp. Like, look at Lavin behind the bench <laughs> with this girl's Oilers jersey on. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, sorry. Two more questions. So, who is your best and worst employee? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they're all wonderful. Right. Uh, uh, last, and if you're willing to share sort of your your thoughts, maybe for the future of Aircom, your thoughts for the future of Sean. What do you think? Well, we're we're all having a really fun time doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're actually back to uh, pre-oil crash numbers. Right. You know, I know Alberta is still in recession and there's still a lot of uh, 
companies out there that maybe aren't doing the greatest, you know, fortunately, we're all rowing in the same direction, chasing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So as long as I'm happy and this is all happening, you know, the, the future does look bright. I'll say this, you know, Aircom started back in the 60s and in the 60s, it was aviation. You know, 60, 70, 80, 90, when our former owner picked up the company, it was completely out of aviation and into specialty welding. Right. So 1990, so 2000, 2010, 2020. So 30 years later, I'm kind of going in 30-year segments. So 2020, here we are coming on it. I wouldn't look at us today and say we're a welding shop. Right. We are full-blown manufacturing temperature sensors like crazy and distributing all these other instruments. Welding is still a backbone of our company. It's a strong one for sure. Right. So 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050. Mm -hmm. we'll be doing something uh, probably may not be instrumentation manufacturing and distribution with the welding backbone if right. you look at this pattern of history going on so so you're willing to adapt we're thinking outside the box every day you know right. if it's something to do with our business processes or maybe the way a sensors made or yeah nice mm -hmm. Oh, beauty. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Well, thanks, Ken. That was a fun podcast. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We're, sh we're shaking hands now. You can't see that. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know why we're shaking, shaking hands. Shaking hands like legit, like we've never met each other before or whatever. Like we just finished it and that wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> thanks, buddy. I mm -hmm. uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. If you need instruments or whatever he said he sells, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> check it out.